Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Good morning, everyone. Dave Cunningham here, and that is the unmistakable voice of Chris Wyman, the town crier for Kingston. Welcome, Chris, to the program. Well, thanks for having me. We are here to talk about your career as a town crier, and we're also here to talk about tourism in Kingston. Oh, okay. Let's start off with talking about your decision to become a town crier. How did that evolve? Well, it was a long time ago, as they say. I was... uh doing a lot of different functions around downtown and helping out and volunteering, but I also did a lot of theater. So I got sort of recognized by people in the downtown area that this guy might want to take the job of town crier. And they were having a competition in 1984. They called me a few times to come and, you know, compete. And I kind of was like, no, I don't think so. I, it seems kind of strange to me. What's that all about? But uh, literally a friend of mine was here uh, who's an actor in Toronto now, or Stratford, I should say. And uh, he was here saying, what do you got to lose? It's only for a year. Well, that was 32 years ago, so the rest is history. So I've been, year after year, people call me for events, for conferences, conventions, to represent the city at different locations around the world, um, promoting basically the beauty of charm and history of Kingston. So. so when you sit down to put together a cry, now that's probably something people do not realize, is that you actually compose the cry. I do. I ask, the, I ask for some you know, information that's pertinent to the event, and uh, then, of course, I, I put my own spin on it and put it into a proclamation. And you know, a lot of times, um, especially for um, a lot of groups that are coming to visit, I like to use a lot of humor if I can, or at least a little bit of humor so that they will, they will leave with a smile on their face or they'll, you know, it'll start their day off with a smile at the conference or whatever. So it's, it is all written by me. Um, I did have one guy once who wrote The Cry and he handed it to me before I went on and in between each line he had jokes written in the cry in the cry so of course i'm I'm pretty i can pretty much uh, go on the fly and uh, i I was able to eliminate the jokes as i was going along but it you know it's it's got to be in my own words because it's hard enough to write something read something that someone has written uh, as opposed to what you say because when you write it yourself you sort of have a bit of memory behind it so any particular cry that you put together that stands out from the many years of doing this? There's so many different ones, so many interesting ones that I've done. But one of the one of the ones I just remembered the other day is when a woman came to visit here at the center. She uh, she came in to said, "Oh, you cried at my wedding or my pseudo wedding." It was a uh, it was all staged. It was a uh, basically she had gotten married already, and she invited all her friends to her wedding, but she'd already gotten married. They didn't know it, and I basically came out. This is a sham. This <laughs> wedding is, a, is, you know, like it was a whole, whole sort of play uh, at that point. So that was one of the ones I remember the most. And there's other ones for, from you know, some celebrities for birthdays and things like that, and special occasions like that. Um, there's been so many. I mean, you know, when you're traveling around the world, you get to meet some pretty famous people. Um, the Princess Diana and Charles Cry that I did when they arrived in Kingston and met them at the dock is a memorable one Mm -hmm. doing a cry for the queen and prince philip in england when we had the world championships you know back in 91 or whatever so there's there's been quite a few quite a few over the years how many would you average average these days in terms of cries um it's usually around 200 a year okay um it it fluctuates because sometimes there's been a week where you do there's not no event going on and then sometimes there's a week where there's four or five events during the week 
and then there's a weekend with four or five events just on a Saturday. So it could be eight on a week on mm-hmm. a, during the whole week. Uh, but I would say it on average around 200 cries a year. Now, not only do you have to provide your own cry, you have to provide your own uniform. Yes. Well, I'm lucky because it's uh, it, now that uh, basically I've been hired as the town crier as well as the manager of visitor services. I've been, you know, been fortunate that they 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 understand and rec- recognize that my uniform is crucial to the job, and it's the, the uniform that has been designed by myself. And uh, over the course of the many years, it's really evolved up until about 1991. Different styles, but uh, ninety one it became a certain look, and I've kept that look since nineteen ninety one, and that's the uniform I use now. So, now can you describe the uniform? Well, Basically, a, the yeah. things that you have done to uh, make it your own. Well, of course, each town crier from each town represents their community, so the uniform has to sort of have some sort of connection to the community. So, my uniform is based on the Royal Military College. Um, style as well as Fort Henry, uh, so that any event that I do with RMC or Fort Henry, it's synonymous with Kingston. And of course, my uniform has that look the red with the black and the gold braid. Um, of course, the black breeches with the red stripe down the side and the buckled shoes. Which the buckles were actually made made for me by uh, the people who repaired the roof at the visitor center. All the copper work, they, they basically took them home one day, the guy who was doing the work, and he came back with these buckles that he made out of a, a pair of uh, paperweights. For really? the crest of the city of Kingston. So over the years, little things happen like that, and people give me buttons um, all the time, which I, I try to incorporate into the uniform. Um, there used to be a vest, but it's just too warm most of the times to, to wear the vest as well as the the great coat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's really the starting off with Audrey's costume house, you know, 32 years ago, with the last uniform that they had on the rack, which was a Henry VIII uniform. They've been really supportive in helping me get my uniforms repaired and tied, fixed up and things like that. But uh, it's really evolved from a you know a drab, you know green, brown coat to a something that's so brilliant and representative of Kingston. Mm-hmm. Now we touched on it a little bit. Let's go back and talk about some of the competitions you've been a part of. Yeah, well, it's it goes back to the very first competition we had here in Kingston when I won the job of town crier. Um, next was the regionals where we had all the town criers come in regionally, and uh, that I came in the, I came in first in that one. Um, then the regional winners all went to Ottawa for the first provincial championships. And I won the first provincial championship, which allowed me to go to the first international, which uh, they had about 35 to 40 criers at the first international in Halifax. And having no knowledge, it was just basically I'm, I was looking and trying to steal ideas of all these different criers that some have been do, had been doing it already for 20 years prior mm-hmm. to me. I came in 15th, so I was pretty happy with that. Um, not, not having the skill, but over the course of the many years, uh, there's been a lot of first, seconds, and thirds at provincials, nationals, internationals, North Americans, and of course the World Championships, which which are held different locations. Uh, the last three uh, prior to the one in Kingston and New Zealand was uh, in in Chester, England, which I won three times. So it was a it was quite an enjoyable event. It gets a lot of press for the city of Kingston because. When you think about the competition, it's a two thing, two ideas that go through my mind is the number one thing is get as much promotion for the city of Kingston as I can. And the second thing is, is the competition, which is really just for the criers to see, you know, just for our own, see how we're doing against each other. And, and the best judges for competitions are criers, so they know. So when a judge comes up and you, you end up being third and everyone in the, every, all the town criers say, nah, you should have been first. You know, they know. So mm-hmm. it feels good even if the judges think you're third place. The criers say you're first place, and that's very, very heartwarming. So, 
One of the side benefits of uh, all of these competitions is the opportunity to go to places you might not otherwise have visited. Yeah, that's true. And any time that I can get to somewhere that um, you can just get your name or, or your face or your you know stories in the radio or television about the community is is a, is a bonus. Uh, it's uh, the last competition I did. I came in uh, for that was the Worlds in in uh, New Zealand, and that competition. Um, huge amounts of press, so you know that that sort of made up for it. I mean, right, right, even into the on-flight magazine in the on the airline. You, I opened the on-flight magazine. There's my picture in the in the on-flight magazine. So, totally floored me. So it was quite nice. So, now after you'd been doing the town crying for a while, you were hired on as the manager of visitor services here in Kingston. How yeah. did that all evolve? Well, they they approached me basically because of the profile, high profile that I give to the city of Kingston. They've sort of knew that I was already a tourism ambassador for the city of Kingston, and um, they I basically made, you know brought my application form in and my resume, which I mean for twenty years I've been working in a retail environment as manager of a photo store in Kingston, um, and of course before that I even started off as a manager at an ice cream store. So. I had a lot of experience working and dealing with the public. Customer service is sort of the number one priority on my list. And, of course, making people smile and have a good time in Kingston was just something that went hand-in-hand hand with the town crier. So, Describe the staffing that you have here at the Visitor Center. Well, usually we have a, two, two um, permanent part-timers that work in the, in the mall, in the store here. And um, throughout the summer, we hire students. And uh, we try to get a good, good array of students that are bilingual, that are people-oriented. Um, in my back of my mind, every time I'm doing an interview or a, for the job, I'm thinking, is this person got a little bit of theater in them, you know? Because really, when, when you're dealing with people every day, it's almost like doing a show, you know? You constantly have to be on. You have to be ready to perform, sort of, you know? Yeah. To, and, and have great knowledge of the city of Kingston. Um, we, our, our focus is really to make sure that we send people off into the uh, into the city of Kingston to shop and to stay in hotels and go to attractions and all the different things that Kingston has to offer. Our job is to make sure that they they leave here happy and, and you know satisfied that they got all the right answers and that they're ready to go off and explore Kingston. You know, it's many great things. It's festivals and events and it's great shopping and restaurants. I mean, it's just a plethora of things that Kingston has to offer. It. It's an easy, easy sell. So, Those of us who live here may not be aware of just how important tourism is to the city's economy. Oh, it is. It's, it's millions of dollars that come into the city of Kingston because of tourism. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's the efforts that we put in the last, well, since I've been here, which is 10 years, um, to promote Kingston all around the place. I mean, especially New York State, Montreal, Toronto, the regions that people will stop in, the big centers they stop in, but they'll say, having knowledge of Kingston as they're coming through, we got to stop and see this town. So um, we've done a lot of efforts to try and get people to come here. Um, and now with all the new attractions and things that are happening in Kingston, it's even uh, a more uh, easier sell to get them to stay. You mm -hmm. know, because, you know, the, the old expression, heads in beds and, and all those things about tourism, it's true. If, you, if, if they have so many options, they'll say, gee, we got to stay overnight because yeah. we can't do all this in one day. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what's happened with uh, a lot of our tourism partners that really stepped up their game uh, to help us with that in tourism, and it's fantastic. How many visitors would you estimate uh, drop into the city of Kingston over the course of the year? Well, I don't have the actual numbers for all that yet. They, give, they send that out, and it's never always updated like so quickly, but we had this year, through our doors right now, we're around 200,000 people, so just through our doors alone. 
Um, so, you know, you, if they don't show up here and come to see us, we can't gauge that. But a lot of people, I mean, I think the director of tourism would be the best to, to probably have those numbers because mm-hmm. um, I'm really focused on visitor services. So. Now, when I dropped in to tape this particular conversation, I noticed you were talking to one of your uh, guests in French. What other kinds of languages pop up or people from different countries oh, well, show up at the door? We, we get all over the world, German, French, Spanish. Um, we have Russian that comes in, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, I, I, all over the world. People come into here. I mean, and and we had this year very fortunate, and every year we try to find as many uh, bilingual, trilingual, multilingual uh, staff members, and and that can help different languages. And and we had a, a person that spoke Chinese, Spanish, um, French. French is sort of the most crucial because we're so close to the. The, the Quebec, you know, to Quebec, and it's right. a, a lot of people coming to Kingston. I would say it's a huge number of, of French people that show up here, and because of that, it, the knowledge of the bus tour groups that come in, um, they know that we sort of are stepping up our game in the in the French and bilingual s- s- um, selection of staff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, what are the three most popular tourist attractions that you see visitors going to in the city of Kingston right now? Yeah, and it's. it's I think it's three or more because we've, uh, they've, like I say, we've noticed a lot of new attractions stepping up their game. Uh, Fort Henry, uh, the cruise lines and the trolleys are huge. And, of course, now the prison uh, being uh, opened for the public has really brought more people into Kingston. So, But there are some little hidden gems that people miss out on, and that's things like uh, um, the Pump House Steam Museum um, and the uh, Electronics Museum up, up at the base. I mean, every one of these little museums is really, really coming out of the shell, and it's been help- with the cooperation and collaboration of a lot of other companies. Like mm-hmm. the cruise line and the trolleys have done a thing called a K pass, where you buy a pass, you get a pass to all the museums, and then that money is shared with all the museums, right, that are on the list. Right. Um, the uh, trolley has a hop on, hop off service, which um, before didn't have it originally. Then it had it just a, a small scale. Now they have four trolleys, so they have it on a half-hour schedule. Like Again, their game has really stepped up to help mm-hmm. increase the amount of um, options for visitors in the city of Kingston. So it's just, a, just an awesome collaboration of all the Fort Henry and, and uh, Bellevue House, the prison museum, the prison itself. Um, Bellevue House is a, is a nice little living museum that when people go there, it's, they don't realize that one of the unique things about Bellevue House is the garden. And a lot of the senior people that are really into gardening, when they find out that those tomato plants are from the original tomato plants that were there when Sir John A. was there, it's kind of a, it's kind of a oh, thrill. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing is for them is very, very neat. And uh, last year, uh, one of the local pubs, uh, Sir John's Pub, was using some of the fruit and vegetables from that garden to serve at the restaurant. So it was like another little collaboration going on. And uh, I think it's just, a, a, there's a great uh, tourism community in the city that really, really respects the community and respects each other enough mm-hmm. to, to make these things happen. So, like I say, you asked for three, there's there's so many it's great things. You know, you know, Agnes Etherington Art Gallery. You know, it's a, it's a great little spot at the uh, university that... Now people are coming back after we send them over to the Agnes because they're into art, you know. Right. Coming back, say, what a great museum, what a great art gallery, you know. And that, that is something that you like to hear. People coming back saying, thanks for sending me there. 
when you talk about some of the tourist attractions or the tour companies stepping up their game uh, to make themselves more popular and to integrate more into the whole tourism package for the city, uh, I think of the Fort, Fort Henry. Exactly. And uh, the business of establishing Fort Fright. And for those who may not be aware of it, uh, describe what Fort Fright is. Well, Fort Fright is a... I, I sometimes try to describe it as a scare attraction because what it is is they've turned the fort literally into a haunted fort or like you know a haunted castle sort of thing and it's it's uses humans as well as animatronics and some great little new uh, every year they they do something different or add something new to it and again that's that's something that and for us in tourism extends the season and that's the number one thing that we really like to see Kingston is a four-season destination with FebFest in the in the winter and and Fort Fright that goes up into the into the end of October. Um, anything we can do that can create a four-season destination is is really a is top notch in my game. And a couple of years ago, they established a side building at the fort, uh, interactive. Uh, yeah, they have the something. Discovery Center there, yeah. which is now really the administrative offices of the fort. And it's it's a great venue for not only events like weddings and, and things like that because of its great view. It, it's, a, it's a great place to have a little conference uh, get-together or something as well as either in the fort or outside the fort. Um, again, it's, there's always this forethought that they think of. They're thinking of the future, you know, right. and that's kind of the way it's nice. You can't just keep relying on, on all the stuff we've got. We have to evolve a little bit and, uh, you know, create something new and, you know, and and create, you know, more of a something attraction-wise or or attractiveness-wise that will those people who came 15 years ago will come back and see something completely different. Right. The standards will still be here, but they'll they've up their game. So wow, when I was here last time, this museum didn't have that and this and and that's what's really nice about it. So and as a town crier, it's good to go and promote. You know, I always say I extol the virtues of the limestone city because the virtues are always it's getting better and better. Right. And I would guess, too, that it's in their best interest to generate more and more revenue to maintain a place like Fort Henry, which has been around a long time. Yeah, and that and takes a lot of maintenance. constant work. Yeah, right. you're right. It's a, every museum needs that little extra push with, the, with, some, with funding, and I'd really love to see my museum staying open a lot longer. I mean, it'd be a nice, nice, nice in my dream. Uh, I actually met with the Minister of Tourism a couple of years ago, and he said, what's your wish list? I said, I wish that you would give the museums some more money so that they can extend their period of, of being open, for example. You know, any National Historic Site should be open year-round. It's a National Historic Site. Right. So, Another area that has become very popular in the last couple of years, too, is the uh, Kingston Pen. Yep. And when it first opened to tourists, you couldn't get a ticket, or at least you had to sit on your computer and try to get in to buy one. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion on, on that particular attraction? In the city? That, that just to me seemed like it was a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a national historic site. You can't tear it down, so let's utilize it. Let's make some money for it to keep it up, and, uh, and people want to see it. It's, it's you know, for, for 175 years, people wanted to try and get out. Now people want to try and get in. It's the greatest thing to see, and, and calls constantly here, even up to today, uh, you know, people asking, uh, is there tickets available? And it's a... It's a wanted commodity. I always say to people when they say we're going, they came here from Brantford or something, or they've come here from wherever. We've got tickets to the to the pen. I'm saying it's like Willy Wonka's golden ticket. You've got that, you know. And uh, like you said, people were online trying to get tickets. It was like oh, trying yeah. to get hip tickets. Oh yeah. You know, people were online constantly trying to get those tickets. And uh, again, with collaboration with the cruise line and the K Pass, uh, that opened up a, a lot of um, 
chances to get a ticket to the pen because some of those tickets were reserved for K-Pass holders. And if you're lucky enough to have a K-Pass, you're got given a code which allows you to buy a pen ticket to go in to see the, the Kingston Penitentiary. Now, as we tape this, we know that uh, there are different levels of government who are talking about what to do with that particular area, looking down the road into the future. Obviously, as uh, the manager of visitor services, you would like to see it continue to have some sort of tourist component. Oh, yeah. It, it, it is a huge draw for the city of Kingston. And as I mentioned, people are coming in from all over the, you know, especially the region, even up upstate New York, um, that are coming in with, with their tickets that they got online to come to see the prison. And, you know, it's it, it could extend their stay, or hopefully it will extend their stay, or it did. You know, rather than coming up from you know, Niagara Falls, and just for the day, they'll come up and stay overnight, go to the fort, or go um, go to the prison, I mean, and, and then go home the next day. But while they're here, they're going to take part in shopping, eating, dining, um, retail, you know, experiences, um, attraction experiences, event experiences, mm-hmm. you know. If they get a ticket during Blues Fest, well, they're going to probably buy a Blues Fest ticket and come to Blues. Um, it would be an awesome thing to see it open, open as a regular basis, so... One of the components of city life in Kingston are the sports tournaments that come to town. I would imagine you play a role in uh, some of that. A little bit. It's yeah. mostly our, my colleague uh, Brandon who does the sport tourism, and he's doing a fantastic job. Um, you know, bidding for different events, uh, working with local um, organizations, uh, sporting organizations to have some of their tournaments here. Tournaments are a huge, huge boost for Kingston because you know fills hotels. Uh, restaurants, uh, and we've got some awesome sporting venues here in Kingston now with the Queen's new Richardson Stadium. Uh, it's just opened another, you know, huge possibility for sporting events. So Brandon's really working hard. He's he's a great, great, you know, hardworking sport tourism manager, and uh, he's uh, really trying hard to make sure we keep Kingston the spotlight for, for events. Uh, you know, the K-Rock Centre, another great venue. All these things right. that happen in Kingston are all... You know, we've used the K-Rock Center for big conferences and conventions, so not just a sporting event. So again, all these places are, are, are a boom to Kingston, a boom. One of the things that I've um, always thought was, uh, was fairly factual was the fact that there are a lot of people who live in the city of Kingston who have not been to some of the big tourist attractions that are right in your own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, uh, we've initiated in the last, uh, well, over the last few years since I've been here, 10 years, we've been doing Tourism Awareness Week, which we try our hardest to get more and more locals to get out there and experience Kingston, take a look at what, you, what Kingston has to offer, become a tourist in your own town, because it's, um, you, you have people that come to visit you from all over, if you've got relatives from England or wherever, or even Niagara Falls that have probably never been to Kingston. If you know what's going on and you know what sites to see, you could be a great tourism ambassador for your family and friends. So, you know, that's that's sort of the goal of Tourism Awareness Week, to extol the, the various different facets of Kingston that people don't get to see on a regular basis. And they, I mean, it's just even in the visitor center, people walking in here, I haven't been in here before. Where are you from? Right. I live in Kingston. Exactly. You know, that's the kind of thing you want to see more of. And uh, and it's for us, it's, a, it's, it's the great to see a, a happy visitor because their family knows where to take them and what to do. I noticed that uh, the tourism benefits don't always or don't apply to just the downtown of Kingston. Oh no, we, we work as hard as we can to try and get things uh, in all different areas of the down of the uh, of the city. Um, again, the, when the dome was uh, at Westbrook, the Westbrook Dome was built right. as a possibility for another sporting events and and brings more people into that end. Uh, we've got some great 
uh, accommodations out in the West End and the East End, in the North End of Kingston, uh, up up past the 401. Um, it's just Kingston as a whole has got a lot of benefits going from east to co east side to the west side of Kingston that that you know we can extol as much as we can and promote through our either websites through uh, the events that go on um, the music is mm-hmm. a good one you know uh, they have music all over the the city so we try to tend to move people around as much as possible and get them into different events and festivals and theater and um, they happen you know from Portsmouth Village where we've got the Domino Theater you know and uh, it it's just a I don't know. It's just that it's a mind-boggling how much Kingston has to offer. What I've noticed too is that there's more cooperation amongst those folks who are involved in tourism as part of their business. Mm-hmm. But there's also more and more uh, interplay between the regular retailers who may not be tourist-oriented but see some benefit mm-hmm. in helping promote tourism in their own town. I think so because the whole thing works. It's just like a restaurant. You know, if you if you have a pub on the corner here and someone opens a pub down the street, you're not so much worried about not so much worried about competition as it's a draw mm-hmm. you know that's why breweries are doing so well right now like the Kingston Brewing Company was our only brewery at one time recent, in recent years prior to you know 100 years ago we had yeah. more breweries than you could shake a stick at but when the Kingston Brewing Company opened up they were welcoming to other breweries to open they would they would even su- support them by selling their beer at the brewery until they got established right so it's 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 a growing trend and it's a tourist attraction breweries and wineries are Oh yeah, people love to go, and you know it's it's a taste thing. You know they want to go see the different tastes of Kingston, and if beer happens to be what you like, that's that's a great thing for our city. I want to wrap up by asking you to give me two or three little gems that we haven't talked about in the city that you think people should put on their list of things to do. Okay, so I would say City Hall is a the one that I haven't mentioned already. City Hall has got a great tours. They've got volunteer tour guides throughout the summer that take you on a tour. They've been really stepping up their game with the actual City Hall information and sites in the City Hall, like the original jail cells. They've really brought that up and put all new displays in there. They've got a, a new heritage center in the City Hall where if you want to find out more about the history of Kingston, that's something to go see there. Um... The School Museum is a little gem that's up in Berryfield that people don't get a lot to see about, and they should probably check out the School's Museum. Um, Berryfield itself is very historic, and to have a school museum that goes to the history of education and schooling is uh, is a great spot. And the, the Murney Tower, uh, sorry, the, the tower on Fort Frederick, at Point Frederick, it's the uh, RMC Museum. This year they have uh, weren't open this year because they were restoring the tower itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, people are missing out on some great artifacts. Uh, the, the Emperor of Mexico's gun collection is there, and all sorts of other interesting uh, artifacts in that museum on the point of uh, RMC, and it's, it's a little hidden gem that people should check out as well. Now, if people want more information about what's available, give me a couple of contact uh, information. Oh, it's visitkingston.ca is our okay. website. you know, you got to see that. It's, it's the place that's got all the information about everything, restaurants, hotels, events and happenings that are going on in the city of Kingston. Um, it's quite extensive and we're constantly updating the events calendar. So if you're looking for something to do in Kingston, that calendar is the, is the go-to place. And of course, the visitor center phone number. If you know 548-4415, I've known that phone number since I worked at Japan Camera like 25, 30 years ago. So because if you know that number, your access to information when someone says, what can we do in Kingston? And you're 
you know, you're the coffee shop down the street and the visitor comes to see you and says, what's to do? Just a second. I'll call this number. That's right. Now, if you're just walking around town, just look for the locomotive that's right in the downtown across from City Hall and you're in the train station building right beside the locomotive. Yeah, that, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty easy to see. Pretty easy to see. Thanks very much for your time today, Chris. Oh, thanks very much. Oh, yay. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Tim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.